0: It's time for JT the Brick. Hey
1: JT, how you doing man? Now there's a new team and everybody's pretty much new and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page.
0: JT the Brick.
1: Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is. It's Raider Nation.
2: JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to
0: you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick.
1: We call that the Steve Mariucci Open, the Mooch Open. Look forward to having him on soon. JT with you. Hope you're having a great day today. The Raiders are now done with training camp. Technically, their last practice before they get ready for the New England game. On Friday night, come see me at the Torch. Uh, Raider fans, are you going to have a dress rehearsal with your tailgate? A good buddy of mine who has season tickets from San Diego is flying in. He's on a flight that gets in at twelve thirty. Says, What do you want to do? I said, Well, let's get a beverage. I'm on the radio, so you get a beverage, but let's go to the black hole tailgate. Let's go through, let's get our vibe on. Let's like have a dress rehearsal for the tailgate and all that. And he's like, Yeah, ready to go. Now these are the time of this is the time of year that it's tough to be outside. It was 107 at my house yesterday, 107, and it's five degrees cooler in Summerlin, they tell me, than it is in Henderson, one of the reasons I moved here. So maybe it was 102 at my house and 107 in Summerlin, but I will never wear a wool shirt, a Tommy Bahama wool shirt again to a Raiders practice. I literally almost threw it out, and it's hot. So this is the game where if people are going to complain, because we used to have so many complainers about the Raiders coming here, and we don't anymore. But the people that were complaining, oh, what's it going to be like? What's the weather going to be like in September? It's going to be hot. It's going to be really hot. And maybe you don't want to walk over the Hacienda Bridge in August. I did for the Metallica concert in Guns N' Roses. It was Pretty hot. The Garth Brooks, excuse me. That was the hottest moment of my life. That was 115 confirmed, Garth Brooks, on the Hacienda Bridge walking from Mandalay Bay. I, I don't think it's humanly possible for it to get anywhere hotter other than Death Valley than that. So if you're going to this game, you're going to tailgate, bring some shade. If you're walking over the Hacienda Bridge, run. Get over there, get inside, and we throw a great tailgate inside for you at the torch. Come see me at the torch, please, and I'll be there with Eric Allen for the pregame show. I wanted to open up this hour by dedicating the energy of this show, and the entire Raider Nation should pay tribute to Len Dawson, who died earlier today at the age of 87, he was a Super Bowl four MVP and a great broadcaster on HBO. Inside the NFL had a big effect on my life, a huge effect on my life for a lot of reasons, because if you were lucky enough early enough to have HBO in your life, it really was the best show. Inside the NFL took you inside, and you got to see aspects of the NFL that you didn't get. And this is long before there was NFL Network and the documentaries and the streaming services that we're seeing now. Nick Bonacani. Hall of Fame linebacker from the Dolphins, and Len Dawson. He just felt comfortable with those guys. So he was well before my time as a player, but, and you know, Coach Flores winning a Super Bowl, Coach Flores winning a Super Bowl, one of his four Super Bowls, Super Bowl trophy is the backup for him. It's a big part of Tom Flores' legacy, four Super Bowls, one with Kansas City and Len Dawson having a really big impact. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is just a great guy. He put out a beautiful tweet for the impact that he had on Kansas City and for the sport, and a lot of accolades coming in right now. A lot of accolades coming in on his brilliance and what he did, both as a broadcaster and a player. You know, we're seeing more and more players becoming broadcasters. Tony Romo, for example. Tony Romo was nowhere near Len Dawson. Let me repeat, nowhere near Len Dawson. Tony Romo came into the league making 18 million bucks. Len Dawson didn't make that money as a broadcaster. But Len Dawson as a broadcaster set the bar for Tony Romo to make that money and Troy Aikman and all the other quarterbacks that are out there. Speaking of quarterbacks, I went back yesterday. I was hanging out with Beth Mowens, the play-by-play voice of the Raiders in the preseason. She works with Rich Gannon and Matt Millen. And I went back and Rich Gannon, I want to say this again on the record because he was with CBS for many years. He's one of the best. Unbelievable analysis as Beth sets up Matt and Rich on that pregame broadcast, and they'll have the broadcast on Fox 5. Coming up here on Friday, Fox 5, a partner of the Raiders with their pregame coverage. We have the fifth quarter, a podcast led by Eddie Pascal and our team right after the game, and I'll be on the postgame show immediately following the game in the Modello Cantina. Uh, Phil Perry is supposed to join us coming up here in a little bit, and uh, we're going to wait for him. He's one of the Patriot insiders. He's going to check in. We had Greg Bedard on last hour, and I was there today but not at practice, and I can tell you that there's a lot happening going into this weekend that I'm going to be a part of, alumni weekend. There's a lot of energy in the building for the alumni coming back. Uh, The last home game, the Raiderettes, 500 of them came back, and now there's an enormous number of former players. And what will be the goal of the Raiders in this preseason game? No need to play car. He had two fantastic workouts against the ones from the Patriots. No need to see Max Crosby, Colt Miller, Chandler Jones. But the Raiders got to put a team out there. And this will be the last time that the roster goes from 80 to 53. And it'll be the last time some of these players ever play for the Raiders. When they get cut and released, everybody's going to be appreciative of what they did. Iron sharpens iron. And then these guys hopefully have an opportunity to catch on the Raiders' practice squad, or maybe another team. So that's one of the cool things about that fourth preseason game is the ability to see guys play balls out because they want to go on tape for another team. I've seen it before. For many years, we'd be up in Seattle for that final preseason game. and I know, I love the trip. I love the energy of being in Seattle in the summer. But the Raiders always got smoked in that game, usually always smoked. And Russell Wilson would play in that game, and I'd scratch my head. And the Raiders would lose like thirty-four to ten, and and then you'd have to go into a regular season game. Let's let's see the Raiders win this game, play hard with their reserves, and have an opportunity to go four and zero and have some momentum. Phil Perry, kind enough to join us, covers the Patriots, and he's a really good NFL insider. And I am happy he can join us. So, Phil, before we as we get going, let's start off with your analysis of the Patriots Day two compared to game one where they looked like they were slow and the Raiders got the best of them. How do you think the Pates, uh, Patriots did uh, second day?
3: Yeah, I would say the, def- the, the Raiders definitely beat them up pretty good for the vast majority of practice on day one. But day two, a little bit of a rebound from mm-hmm. the Patriots. And again, they started slow offensively, and it's really been a herky-jerky camp all summer for the Patriots' offense as they deal with new coaches and they try to install a new system. But they caught fire a little bit, I thought, late in the practice. A couple nice touchdown passes to Jacoby Myers down the field for Mac Jones. They love, love, love when they're able to execute in the two-minute drill. And we saw that at the end of practice yesterday, but they did it again today. So I think the offense was, was feeling itself by the time the second practice ended because they finished that two-minute period today with a touchdown to Hunter Henry with you know, four seconds left on the clock, they're down five, you know, they play out these situations with so much detail that when they're able to finish off a play like that, you see the reaction that you saw from them today, which was pretty big offensive-wide uh, celebration from the Patriots, and again, it's been a, it's been a rough summer for that offense. And yeah, so we and, haven't seen much celebrating. And so uh, that was a little change for them today.
1: Yeah, from following and seeing your analysis of all this, we had Greg Bedard on. You guys got great beat riders, man. You, you've seen a lot of success with this franchise over the years. Does it feel like the fans, and not so much the media, you're doing your job, but even the national media are really taking cheap shots at the Patriots now in regards to who's calling the plays, how Belichick is using the coaches, Josh McDaniels is gone. I just think there's some unwarranted hits to the Patriots in the preseason to the greatest coach of all time and Bill Belichick. Yeah, and I think that's it's to be expected. I think there are certainly people
3: around the country who are ready for the Patriots not to be good anymore. And uh, they weren't in 2020, they go seven and nine, but then they're back in the playoffs again with a rookie quarterback who makes the pro bowl. Like, I I think people are just sick of the Patriots. And so when they see Bill Belichick lose a, a very experienced and talented offensive coordinator to a head coaching job in Vegas, and he hires them with guys that really flamed out spectacularly in their previous positions Matt Patricia in Detroit Mm -hmm. and Joe Judge in New York, you know that I I understand people seizing on Mm -hmm. the lack of results that you see from the Patriots' offense and say, "Boy, they've gotten too big for their britches there in Foxborough, Mm -hmm. haven't they?" Bill Belichick thinks he can turn anybody into an offensive coordinator. He just hired the guy who went who called for a quarterback sneak on third and nine, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, on his own ten-yard line or whatever it was. uh, And Joe Judge to, to coach Mac Jones and the quarterbacks. What's he doing? And so when the practice reports are what they are, I understand the, the feedback there. Uh, I can tell you, though, the Patriots themselves are, are preaching patience, and it's taken a while for them to, to catch any kind of momentum here, but it seems as though maybe they built some in Vegas these last couple of days.
1: Phil Perry, Patriots insider, kind up to join us. So let's start with Devontae Adams. Pretty special to watch him up close, huh?
3: My goodness. I mean, he's just so fluid. It's, you know, and he's a big guy, which I don't think I really appreciated until we saw him up close and we were able to get pretty close to, to some of the Raiders' offensive players yesterday. But then again, you see him in the one-on-ones, and he's right there in front of us in the media tent, you know, probably 15 yards away from us. He's a big man, and he just moves with such fluidity. It's, that, that's, I think, the most impressive part of his game. I know his releases get a lot of attention, and he's very sudden for someone of his size, but the way he's able to contort his body, he made a one-handed catch yesterday from Derek Carr in the end zone that looked so effortless and fluid where he had to turn around to a 180, throw his hand up, and pluck it out of the sky. I mean, he, he brings just about everything you could ever want to the table as a receiver, and I understand. I mean, we saw Derek Carr these last few days absolutely pepper him with targets, and I get it. Uh, why wouldn't yeah. you throw to that guy every opportunity you could get? The Patriots—they've uh, got a lot of questions at corner. Jalen Mills has been better than we thought, but he's not a—he's not a Pro Bowl caliber number one that we've used to—we've uh, been used to seeing here in New England for a long, long time. So Devontae Adams gave Mills all he could handle yesterday.
1: Phil Perry's our guest, kind enough to join us as he's out here with the Patriots in Henderson, and Las Vegas ahead of the game coming up on Friday. So you saw the coverage of the Raiders nationally at the right tackle position as Leatherwood has struggled. They might move him inside. Maybe they get a right tackle from somewhere else. What would you think? Because it was tough when we were there. We didn't get a great look. You don't get a great look into the trenches at joint practices, but does it look to you like the Raiders' offensive line held themselves strongly against the Patriots, or did you see an advantage with the Patriots' defensive line?
3: I think when it was an obvious passing situation, so when you got into those two-minute hurry-up periods Uh, the third down periods that they worked on these last two days, I did think that that was the one area that, and it looks like, believe me, it looks like this Raiders team is going to be able to score some points now. But that's one spot on the offensive line that I could see becoming an issue because we saw consistent pressure, I thought, from Christian Barmore, uh, got free today and into the Raiders' backfield. Derek Carr really had to kind of lost one up off his back foot. Probably would have been a sack if it was a live situation. Matt Judon, the last two days, is consistently broad pressure. Josh Uche. You know, the, the Patriots, I think uh, that's going to be their strength this year is their front seven and their ability to kind of pin their ears back and, and send some athletes at opposing quarterbacks. There's still a lot of questions in the secondary. But uh, up front, they're, they're pretty talented. And I, I did think that they gave the Raiders all they could handle in that regard. My, my question is, JT, I, I wonder if. Uh, the Patriots and Raiders don't swing a deal here at some point because we know that the Patriots have uh, been discussing Isaiah Wynn right. in some trade talks with teams around the league. And if they're a team that need to tackle really or a guard, Isaiah Wynn has has played guard before in college at Georgia, You know uh, that is something that would make some sense to me because I think the Patriots, uh, if they could find a taker and get a suitable return, I think they'd be very open to moving Isaiah Wynn.
1: Yeah, and I'd be comfortable with that because of Dave Ziegler and how he knows talent not only from the Patriots. The problem, Phil, is that the Raiders, the former regime, went after Trent Brown. He is one of the biggest financial busts in Raider history. I mean, he stole money from this franchise. And, again, there was an issue. There was a health-related issue. But, overall, he didn't want to be here. He didn't play hard. He had no energy. And a couple of guys talked and praised about him, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, because when he's right, when Trent Brown is right, he's one of the biggest monsters in the league. But I know you guys have been talking about this a little bit. What do you expect out of him this year? Is he going to give 100%?
3: You know, given his history, it's always hard to make that kind of prediction with Trent Brown. Uh, I know that the team was not thrilled with his effort at points during the joint practices with Carolina Panthers last week, and then he ended up not playing in that preseason game against the Carolina Panthers when most of the starters for New England did. And so I think it's something they're always going to have to monitor. Now, I know previous to that moment, that incident um, against the Panthers, they were really happy with how things were going with Trent Brown. He showed up in shape, uh, ready to go you know, working hard behind the scenes. I heard nothing but good things about Trent Brown, Mm -hmm. but it it did get a little sideways for him uh, last week. And so that's something you always have to to monitor here. I think just buy-in in general, JT, is something that we're tracking here because it had been such a slow camp, especially for the offense. So talking to guys like Mac Jones and David Andrews, leaders of this team, and sensing some real frustration from those guys at times, you know, because those guys are who they are, you know the rest of the team, I would say Trent Brown included, they look to those guys and how they feel, Andrews or Mack or you know, anybody that's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. it, it can trickle down to others. And so that's what I would worry about if I'm the Patriots. If, if they can't consistently build on what they've done here in Vegas, you know, do you lose some buy-in from some of the guys because it's just not
1: working? Bill Perry, last one, what do you think of Vegas as a football town, the Raider facility, and as you get ready to go into the stadium on Friday night?
3: I love it. And, and listen, I, Bill Belichick, uh, how about him calling uh, the facility here in Anderson the, the Taj Mahal of football facilities? He called them magnificent, I think, uh, before the mm-hmm. first practice of the week. They love it here. And it's not just Belichick, I can tell you, because uh, I've talked to other Patriots staffers who are just, in awe of what they have here i'm fired up to get over to the stadium and see what the stadium looks like because by all accounts uh it's gorgeous and it's uh it's top of the line and so it's uh it's certainly looking and feeling like a football town and uh you can sense that the people around here too are excited about this team and the the change with the coaching staff and it looks like you know you've got some real stars here now too there's some real star power and uh i think there's a there's there's good reason for people here to be optimistic about this team.
1: Phil, if you get a chance, come to the Torch. You can't miss it. The giant Al Davis Torch. So I'll be anchoring the pregame there tomorrow. If I don't see you there, I'll see you up in the press spots. Thanks so much for making time on such a hot, busy day. I really appreciate it.
3: Anytime, JT. Love talking to you. I'll see you soon, I'm sure.
1: You got it, Phil Perry. Man, we had two good ones today. Greg Bedard and Phil Perry. The type of radio that I love, I hope you enjoy. You might not love what I love, but... I like what you like, but that's the type of shows I like to do. Get me three or four analysts that could give you the X's and O's, and we'll have fun with the callers, and we'll do everything like we do, but it's still summertime radio, as Bobby reminds me. As my wife is in the pool, the dog is over here. I'm at home today, and uh, we're getting through the summer, wrapping up the month of August, and I'm excited because camp has come to an end, and, man, did we get a lot of cooperation from the Raiders, the Raiders alumni, and I held back all of our analysts as hard as I could. Vic Taffer, Kevin Bollinger, Vince Sapienza, Paul Gutierrez. You know, all these guys that we're going to have on during the year, I didn't want to burn them out and have them on every Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. I want to give them some time to just relax, have lunch, and forget about me because we're leaning on them during the regular season. We're really proud of the insiders that we have. Harry Ruiz the Latino voice of the silver and black. And Levi Edwards, we're adding new ones. Uh, We have Eddie Pascal on. So we want to give you a Raider analyst or an alumni or a player almost every day. And then look at the other team. 26 years of being on radio. I got a decent Rolodex with trying to get these guys on. I just got two that I've known over the years. And they call this, and they believe it's the Taj Mahal. Mm. It's a good spot right here to take a cheap shot at Libby Shaft in Oakland and take a really big cheap shot at that, but I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. A $5 billion now business and franchise, according to Forbes, not JT. And they could have stayed in Oakland forever. But the politicians in Oakland had no vision. You think the politicians in Oakland with Bart and the 880 and the Oakland Airport Hilton had the vision to do something that was right in front of them? Now you take an aerial shot of Henderson and the drone and you look at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and go, holy crap, that could have been in Alameda and provided hundreds upon hundreds of jobs with an NFL team in a major market, the Bay Area. But the local politicians having nothing to do with the fans, having the love affair with the A's, having the ten-year lease hidden behind the back, And not having the vision to say, yeah, go have the dirt, man. Go have the dirt and pay it off whenever you want or this or that. And develop this and develop that. No interest. Because the Oakland politicians had no vision for this. And, you know, once you get politics involved in sports, man, it's tough. Then you come to Southern Nevada, you got Brian Sandoval, the governor, you got Mark Davis, Napoleon McCallum. Then you start going on with Mr. Adelson and what Mark Bedane was able to do and others along the way to end up getting this facility built and getting this stadium built. All the people of the Raider past, all the current Raiders, the owner, the vision of the owner and his connections to Mayor Goodman and everyone else and the mayor of Henderson. And now Bill Belichick calls it to Taj Mahal Of NFL facilities in a much smaller market than Oakland and the East Bay did this need to happen it happened and now we're celebrating the Raiders having a global hub a giant facility where everybody can get to real easy from Oakland a little bit more expensive out here but you know it's gonna be expensive Bruno Mars ain't playing the Oakland Airport Hilton baby okay when you look at what the park theater is and all these venues here you understand why it's a little bit expensive, but your money goes a long way. Oh, oh, and a, oh, a big secret. Shh. There's no state taxes. Oh, California, once you stop paying state taxes, you ain't ever going back because you don't want to give your taxes to bad politicians. If there, Someday, if there's a good politician... Like the Wizard of Oz, someone behind the curtain, is someone powerful and they're a great politician, give them your tax money. Good things will come out of it. Imagine giving your money and your taxes to the East Bay politicians who didn't even want the Raiders. Man, I just jumped on a soapbox, I'll stand down. Love it here in Vegas. Love the fans of LA, Oakland, the global Raider Nation who downloaded the app and can listen to this show. Now let's get you going got a window to get you on the radio you want to wait for q you want to wait tomorrow for clay and heidi go for it we want to get you in here on your grades for the preseason what concerns you and what are you most happy about it's clearly Devonte for me i didn't realize until i saw it it's incredible what's going on with him 702-365-9200 we're brought to you by salmon ash injury law because you deserve what's right Bill Belichick giving some good praise to the Raiders facility, calling it the Taj Mahal. The Taj Mahal of the NFL, good coaches. They're his coaches. These are the guys he groomed for this opportunity. And as I said, I'm just guessing this, but I'm assuming that Bill Belichick is very proud of the coaches now that are here and Dave Ziegler with the Raiders. They're good guys, and they're all family. These guys are friends, man. These guys are friends, and they're friends with coaches on other teams, and they worked together for many years, so they all want to – be friends in the offseason, but they compete really hard against each other, and they want to beat each other all the time, all the time. But look, Bill Belichick's got a lot of coaches that have left him. Imagine what it's like being Nick Saban and Bill Belichick and every offseason. You find out that like 11 guys left. Seriously, we're not talking two. When a coach leaves like Josh McDaniels, he takes six other people in the building. He takes coaches who become his coordinators, and then he takes staff. They take scouts and other people's uh, secretaries, people behind the scenes, whoever it is. So Belichick and Nick Saban, and Nick Saban got a monster contract extension. That's part of the job. They're used to that, and Belichick's been dealing with that from day one. And he does an unbelievable job. Again, I'm amazed how people question Bill Belichick and the way he deals with certain people. He's won eight Super Bowls combined, as I tweeted today. Six with Tom Brady, two with Lawrence Taylor. He helped Lawrence Taylor become the greatest defensive player ever. We can't leave that off of Belichick's resume. I have Lawrence Taylor ranked number one, all-time Hall of Fame defense. His defensive coordinator was Bill Belichick, head coach Bill Parcells. And then you have the greatest player of all time and quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. Fascinating to imagine how many coaching sessions Belichick had with Brady and Lawrence Taylor to get them to be the players that they are. Raider Dave in Denver. Thank God my radio show's on in Denver. Thank you, Dave. What's happening?
0: Hey, Raider Nation is far and wide, JT, and you're a big part of it. So I really appreciate you bringing in. Even though you said you didn't want to, uh, you dropped some some dimes on Oakland and the politics there. It was good to hear your rant on that. I'm glad that was something that was impromptu, and you you just couldn't couldn't wait to get it off your chest today. You know, I think that... uh, the, the matchups with the last two days and whatever happened today, I'm sure it was, was pretty decent. It reminds me of being a, a kid on the on the school grounds and you grab your best buddy who's another quarterback and you get to flip a coin to find out who's going to pick first. And there's one guy who's better than everybody that's going to make your team great. So you get that first pick and then you're one pick ahead of them the rest of the day and you dominate. And I think that's pretty much what we've seen with Devontae Adams and the rest of this Raider, you know, team and the way they've, they've jumped on the New England Patriots and, I think, surprised them. And I hope Raider Nation is just ready for what is going to be just an awesome season, you know, bar no injuries kind of thing. But you asked uh, early on about, you know, a couple things that people would be concerned about. And, of course, it's going to be the offensive line and staying healthy. But hopefully we can plug and play a couple of guys at guards, whether it's Leatherwood and Simpson, you know, to keep those guards fresh when they got to pull and run. And then I just kind of wonder about these two-minute drills and how the backfield of the Raiders' defense is really going to communicate going out throughout the season.
1: Yeah, Dave, I mean, you follow this team as closely as anybody. I think the communication is key with Patrick Graham. We've spent a lot of time talking about the communication skills with Jared Stidham and what he's been telling Derek Carr along the way. Well, uh, Patrick Graham and his communication style seems to be going okay with Jonathan Abram, which had a really good camp. Trayvon Merrick doesn't look overwhelmed by any of this. And Chandler Jones looks loose and happy, along with Max Crosby. So I think the communication on both sides of the ball are better than expected.
0: Well, I hope so. And I don't know if you've been following Boy Blunder and his uh, preseason over there, but it don't <laughs> look good. It just not look good. And I really think the Raiders should stick to a running game and just throttle the Chargers when it comes to pass. Maybe we should do a poll on what the first play from offense from the Raiders is going to be.
1: Yeah, that's going to be important. Thanks for the call, Dave. That game—you never know what you know. You don't know what's going to happen in a game. You don't know if someone's going to fumble a punt, or there's going to be an interception, or whatever it's going to be. But I'm happy the Raiders are playing the Chargers Week One. Justin Herbert is one of the greatest quarterbacks, young quarterbacks I've ever seen, ever seen, live. He's that good. Carr is very good, and you got Bosa and Khalil Mack, and they're going to shut those guys down and get him ready for Derek Carr coming up. So I think the Raiders are a better team. They were better last year when it mattered. I think the Raiders got better this offseason. But Vegas has the Chargers better than the Raiders by two full games. The season win total for the Chargers is 10.5, and it's 8.5 for the Raiders. So the bookmakers in Vegas think the Chargers are better. Raiders got to thread the needle and play an unbelievable opening game. Unbelievable opening game on the road. Fortunately, many of their fans will be there. Joining us, one of my good friends from the NFL on Fox, MLB on Fox, and the face of NASCAR, Chris Myers, kind enough to come in. Chris, thanks for doing this, and I want to begin. I know you called those Buccaneer games in the preseason. What do you think about Tom Brady as we're coming down the wire here? The Dana White news, everything about his career, the time he's been away. He's been in the news a lot this week.
2: Yeah, well, he, just everything and every move he makes and, and every position, even going back to when he left New England to where he was going to land and then how things were situated and what we've heard about the supposed Dolphin arrangement and the punishment there. But the news for Tampa Bay is that he's their quarterback. He was at practice back at practice yesterday, today. Uh, I expect him to play this Saturday. I'll be calling the Bucs game for the preseason television network for Tampa Bay with Rondé Barber. The Colts, I think, are supposed to play some of their regulars. but uh the, you know they had mike evans back practicing julio jones they've held him out godwin's not ready i i he's the kind of guy you know jt he's played in 21 of the 20 uh, 20 of the 21 preseasons uh, that he could play and mm-hmm. that we've had he had the 2008 leg injury i believe it's the only time he missed he he likes to get in there for a few series and play in the preseason i know some coaches hold their their star quarterbacks out or they don't play at all but uh th- this Leave of absence was prearranged. He got in early to kind of work with some people, That some of the newer players, uh, obviously some of the regulars that, that he had uh, through last year's team. And, and I, I think he's going to have another terrific year. I, I think Julio Jones, you don't need a lot out of him, but he's kind of the, the backup to the, the Chris Godwin return who will be back. He's ahead of schedule on his injury. His surgery may not start. Uh, for the opening weekend but you still have mike evans and, and cameron brates receiving tight end i mean they drafted a running back of rashad white who may come behind uh leonard Fournette, even if giovanni bernard is not healthy and the defense i think is even a little better whatever player they lost you know they've replaced with a, a guy like akeem hicks and they, they drafted another pass rusher logan hall so uh, they're, they're fortified that's why brady uh, decided to come back I, I i think he realizes hey i I can get another ring here before I do go off and do the next thing. Or he might even try to play for somebody else. I mean, who, who knows? Because he's still healthy, and, and he still is as good as any quarterback in the league.
1: Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. And, Chris, you've had a front-row seat for a long time, calling the Bucks games in the preseason before your duties with the NFL on Fox. And to see this with Brady... With the injuries on the offensive line, losing two good players here, and that's a consistent piece to Brady, even though he didn't have all-pro after all-pro in New England, this Bucks offensive line has been a strong part of that championship roster over the last year or two. How much is that going to hurt the Bucs uh, there? How much depth do they have up front?
2: Well, they don't have a lot of depth, but Tristan Wirfs will be okay. The outstanding tackle they drafted last year, they, they, they brought in Shaq Mason, so he's going to replace one offensive line spot. The concern that I would have, and I think that Brady has, is the Ryan Jensen injury, and they haven't put him on injured reserve. He's the center who really helps to – he's kind of the fiery – helps to hold things together and really has a good connection with Brady up front. Robert Hainsey has stepped in a second-year player from Notre Dame who they have groomed for that position because they had to re-sign Ryan Jensen this year. They weren't sure they were even going to keep him. His injury that happened during training camp, he, he may not be out for the entire year. They're waiting to see if there's surgery or what's needed there. They hope he can return later in the year for the playoffs, assuming the Bucks are, are in that position. So, yes, that's a little bit of a concern, and I think that's why Todd Bowles, the first-year head coach in Tampa now, uh, with Bruce Arians, kind of an offensive consultant, would like to run the ball more, make a commitment, at least during the regular season, or at least in the early portion of the season, until he gets that offensive line settled. They just had another injury, and Aaron Stinney is out for the year, but he was really only going to be a reserve anyway, So that's an area that's strong, but you make a good point. They don't have a lot of depth there. They can't afford a lot, any more injuries in that area, or it would affect a 45-year-old quarterback. He was the most protected quarterback in the league, least hit last year when you look at the percentages. So that offensive line has been good for Brady.
1: Chris Myers joins us. You know, Chris, uh, Belichick's out here with the Patriots, with the Raiders, and Devontae Adams put on an absolute show on Tuesday. And now we go forward with this and we see what he's doing now. It, it, it blindsided some of the Patriots media to see how dominant he was. And then I, I just went back to starting to think about what Aaron Rodgers lost. It's very rare that a player in the prime of his career, like Devontae would leave one of the all time greats in Aaron Rodgers. Now, you know, the backstory, he wanted to play with Derek Carr. They were roommates at Fresno state, but as we look at the top teams in the NFC, That is a hell of a player for the Green Bay Packers to lose and think they're going to win the championship.
2: Yeah, I really see him like a Tyreek Hill. I mean, these are game-changing receiver moves, JT, Mm -hmm. that not only really helped the team where they went, obviously, but they really detract from from the team that, that they left. And I know those teams probably didn't want to let them go. But there were economics involved, and a player, and as you said, you know, Devontae wanted to go. He he saw this opportunity, and 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 good for him. And the point about what it leaves Green Bay, I I look at the NFC, and if you're looking at your top tier teams, we're talking not just playoff, but getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, I mean it's got to be the Bucks, the Rams, and and the Packers. Green Bay's defense is improving, but that that passing game, I, I, they may have a, end up running the ball a lot more. Uh, but, but uh, you know, and Aaron Rodgers has already kind of complained a little bit about, you know, guys not catching the ball or young guys not. Doing. And so how, how thin is his patience or will his patience be in frustrating moments uh, when he doesn't have a guy like Devontae Adams to go to? Big difference, I, I think. And we already saw them kind of crumble in the postseason uh, last year, Aaron Rodgers on the Green Bay offense. So as far as the Raiders go, to me, it, it, it should. We should see Derek Carr put up the best numbers of his career with Devontae Adams.
1: Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. I want to talk about Baker Mayfield. That to me was obvious. They were bringing him in there to give him an opportunity. If he plays well, Chris, you know, he'll get a contract extension in Carolina or he'll be able to leave in free agency. If he doesn't play well, he won't be back. I like the position that puts Baker Mayfield in after beating Sam Darnold out and having to play great to get that position back and remain a starter in this league. You think it's going to work out with the Panthers with him?
2: Yeah, I I think he'll have uh, a good year, and I think his his greatest asset, aside from obviously guys catching the ball he throws, is a healthy, for the entire season, Christian McCaffrey, because not only does he produce on the ground, I mean, he he catches the football blocks. He he just does a lot of things that will help a guy like Baker Mayfield. I I think Carolina has a a bit of an unheralded defense, or at least they have players that can put together a, a strong defense, but that division, I, you know, it really is Tampa Bay. I, the Saints have a very good defense, but an unproven quarterback. And Michael Thomas, is, doesn't seem like he'll ever be healthy again as a receiver there, although they have Camara, So Carolina's going to fight uphill. They're probably second or third in the, in the division. Uh, obviously Atlanta's rebuilding. But I, I think it's a good move. I think he'll get another contract there. I think he'll show people he can play. But whether he has enough to push Carolina into the playoffs or not, I wouldn't bank on
1: that. Chris, I want to stay in California and cover off on two teams if we can, the Chargers and the Niners. Let's start with the Chargers. That's in your local community. You see that they're battling to get some headlines away from the Rams, who are Super Bowl champs, but with Derwin James signed, Justin Herbert, what they have with Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson might miss the first game with that ankle surgery, but the Chargers are right there. This is the best roster I've seen them have since going back to Junior Seau and LaDainian Tomlinson and Antonio Gates, but there's always a place for them and they always come up short. Do you think this is their breakthrough year? How far do you got them going?
2: It's a good point about, what, you know, you've seen them through the years. They're they're talented enough. I'm a big believer in Justin Herbert. Was coming out of college. I I think he's right there with Burrow and and he is a guy who will bring them to the next level. The irony is that Brandon Staley the head coach is you know, mostly a defensive background. I mean a defensive yeah. mind that did some great things and yet That's an area that they really let down last year. So they went out and they got some of the players you named. I think the personnel is definitely better and i i think we'll see their defense take a take a major leap but i, I just saw too many games last year where, where staley showed and i saw this in maybe a younger sean mcveigh and a younger kyle shanahan a, a learning curve for him as a head coach being a little too aggressive a little too cocky with i, I got my team i got my quarterback we could go for this that thursday night game against kansas city last year in particularly where he just kind of coached his team right out of a victory and then even at the end of the year with the with the raiders i I mean, there are opportunities there, and so that's what you mean by falling a little bit short. It seems like it's been around with the Chargers long before Brandon Staley, but I, I expect them to be a playoff team this year. I think three teams will come from from the AFC West, and and I, I I think they could go far. That's one of those dark horse trendy pick teams. Of course, the AFC, unlike the NFC, you know, we named their top three. I mean, you start with Buffalo, and then and then where do you where do you go? I mean, the Colts sent more players to the Pro Bowl. Now they have a veteran quarterback who's been to it super bowl and in matt ryan i think you have three or four teams in the afc west that are capable of going to the to the to the Super Bowl, so uh, you know it's an interesting including Kansas City. It's an, I, the, now the AFC North. I'm I'm not sure that any of those teams are Super Bowl caliber right now, given the the quarterback issues and, and certainly the issue with Lamar Jackson. So I, I ran into kind of an AFC overview, but I think the Chargers figure in that. I think my point is they're in that upper level, uh, JT, with with teams that are playoff teams. They're going to be playoff teams, that I think have a shot at the Super Bowl.
1: Uh, Trey Lance, Chris, as we wrap it up, is a big deal for me. I think that's a roster, and you've been doing this a long time, where there's a roster that's ready to win a Super Bowl, and you have the quarterback to do it. The best example is Troy Aikman. You the Cowboys' legendary lineup, or the Niners with Steve Young, they had the players, the Hall of Famers, on both sides of the ball, and then the quarterback ended up being a Hall of Famer to get them to that championship. We can't say that with Trey Lance yet, and that Niner team, I think they can run it, I think they can throw it with Garoppolo. We've seen that they got really good defensive players, led by Nick Bosa. Their back end is strong. But what type of growing pains do you think we'll have with Lance? Do you think Kyle Shanahan will give him the entire playbook and he can have a Mahomes type year as a young player?
2: Well, knowing Kyle Shanahan, he's not going to hold back. He's if he's going to put Lance out there, which he's doing, then 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 Trey Lance is going to have to run whatever Kyle calls and be be ready for it and hopefully take it all in for. 49ers fans, sake, but I I I think their defense is one of the best in football. I'd put them up there, obviously, with Buffalo or or the Rams or Tampa Bay in terms of league league defenses. And I, you know, you trust a guy like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, but this is a case of them, I think, wanting to mold their quarterback and their guy. It's a little bit like the the Rams moving on from Jared Goff when they knew he got them to a Super Bowl, but they thought they could do better, and they proved us all right. you know they proved everybody else wrong, and they were right with Matthew Stafford, except. That was an experienced quarterback, had been around the league. The 49ers are doing it with a guy they draft, and we don't know what to expect. We, we can read things and look at practice and watch video, but until he's out there playing in the game, JT, I I, I just think that's a major risk right now. If Garoppolo is healthy, uh, I wouldn't let him go. I, I would keep him around in case something happens through the course mm-hmm. of the year because I think you're right. They're a, they're a playoff-ready team, but a young quarterback and a learning curve might cost you at some point. However, the 49ers have made their mind up. They're going to go in this direction, and they're going to have to live with it.
1: Chris Myers is on Instagram. He's on Twitter. He has a whole bunch of media platforms, including his website. So, Chris, where are you? I know you're prepping to do the Bucs game, but it's the summertime. I want to know what you're watching. Have you seen live music there, or what's new for you? Are you just completely ramped up with your baseball assignments and the NFL around the corner? What's been new with you?
2: Yeah, a little studio baseball. Uh, when I've had a chance mm-hmm. I've been playing sub-golf. I'm such a hacker. I, for as much as I get out to play, <laughs> uh, I should be better than I am. But I, I love golf courses and the scenery. And hanging. I was. I, I'm into pickleball. I've become a real fanatic playing that. It's been a few Whoa. years now. I'm getting a little better. I see this. the sport is booming. I'm playing with college kids. I'm playing with some seniors who put spin on the ball but it's a great workout (laughs) uh, and uh, I see it's going to get on three different networks being being televised Uh, I I know you last time recommended the offer which was uh, very good I I did watch the uh, it, the Terminal List, by the way. That was one mm-hmm. thing I highly yes. recommend the Chris the Chris Pratt that was that was excellent, worth worth watching. Ryan Gosling, The Gray Man, wasn't sure I could see him in that role. I watched that; it was very impressive. He sold it. That was another good one. Uh, and and other than that, you know, prepping a little little preseason football with the Bucks, and then off to uh, the NFL and postseason baseball, hopefully.
1: You're a busy man, and we're thrilled every opportunity we have to talk to you. Be well, my friend. I hope to see you soon at a ballpark or at an NFL stadium or whenever you come through Vegas. Thank you. All
2: right. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always good talking to you.
1: Great talking to you, Chris. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. And, again, he's going to have some games this year, some big games. The AFC package with CBS is the big prize. The CBS package, and Chris does, monster games on Fox. Sideline reporter for the Super Bowl. He's done it all. But now – now CBS has really won the lottery because they get Mahomes versus Herbert. They get Mahomes versus Carr. We get Russell Wilson versus Herbert. So CBS, I was talking about that with Raider legend James Lofton. He's on the TV package. James Lofton is one of the uh, three or four top teams there, and he's going to get Raider games. And it's going to be big Raider games because every week in the AFC, CBS will have it, and those are the games that they're going to want to have around the country nationally. I believe this year that the AFC West will be the top story. And then we'll go to the Buffalo Bills and whatever they put the Rams on. Now, they're going to put the Niners on. They're a major market, and they got a good team. Niners beat the Packers last year. Green Bay is really the cornerstone of the Fox property in the NFC when you see Green Bay games usually on Fox, and it's Aikman and Buck, and they're gone. They went to Monday Night Football on ESPN. I mean, think of that. Right. Aikman and Buck, you always turned on the TV, Aaron Rodgers. It was a Fox game. Now those broadcasters are gone. It's going to be wild this year. And then there's a couple of alarming columns written at Deadspin and some other platforms about how the streaming is going to be difficult. I've been an Amazon Prime streamer. For a while, and I'm not great at that, my kids stream a lot of stuff, but I have a box delivered to my house every 10 freaking minutes. An Amazon box comes to my house every 30 minutes. So you better believe I got to get this NFL Prime package because I'm paying for it with all the boxes that are landing on my doors like spaceships every 30 minutes. But are you going to be able to do it? How are you going to go to a bar? Well, I know for a fact P.T.'s is going to stream it. I know it's going to be streamed to Doghouse, one of our partners streamed at virgin hotels they'll find it but will you what's going to happen when you're sitting at home on thursday night and you just want to watch a random game are you set up to stream that game on amazon and the way the nfl wants it to be smooth in year one that's going to be a fun topic this year hell of a show booked by bobby today we'll wrap it up next
3: You know, I, I try not to talk t- about myself too much, but um, hopefully Raider Nation sees a hard worker, someone that's loving their job and someone's obviously, that's helping the team, hoping the team wins, uh, someone that's making plays, you know, getting turnovers, and I'm not trying to, you know, t- t- talk about the future, but that's something that I think I bring to a team. That's something that I, that I try to do and take credit in, just being consistent, uh, not doing anything different or doing anything new, but doing what I've always done.
1: That's Chandler Jones. Man, there's a lot to say about him as we're brought to you by Red Tail at Resorts World, the newest property on the Strip. They have a social, interactive gaming lounge with sports betting on site, live entertainment, dueling pianos, and plenty of TVs to watch, big games, every major UFC card, and they have the drama before the party as Red Tail is the spot to pregame before you go into Zook Nightclub. Sip and skip with your Red Tail wristband, you go right to the front of the line at that super club. Where to go, Bobby? Thanks to Phil Perry, Craig Bedard, two great Patriot insiders, Bill Williamson, who joined us, and Grant Irons, for a former defensive end for Alumni Weekend. Tomorrow, we'll figure that out. Tomorrow, this has been a long day, and it's going to get longer. Catch me on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM eighty two, at JT the Brick on Twitter, and we are active on Facebook with the Raider Nation where we're going to tell you where my party is in Nashville for week three. But get on and like that page on Facebook, JT the Brick. We'll be back for a Thursday show ahead of the Friday game, pre and post. Come see me at the torch. queue on deck. Thanks for listening, everybody.